in the sight of those who stand with me. I begin the release. Chaloja! Chaloja! Hi, you're listening to episode one of our podcast. My name is Dan Barrett. I'm joined here by a panel of Orville enthusiasts. Yes. It's not like Star Trek where you've got Trekkies or Trekkers, as some prefer to be known. I believe it would be all villains for the Orville. All villains. Yeah. The voices you just heard there was Sid Sharma. Hi, Sid Sharma here. And also... Shelley Peacock. Hello. Hello. Now, guys, I'm very excited to be talking about Orville with you. We're kicking this off with the beginning of Season 2, which you can find at SBS Viceland or SBS On Demand, if you want to watch at any time, just mm-hmm. at your leisure. But guys, we are here talking about second season onwards. We didn't have the first season talking about that, and I think it's important for us all to put our cards on the table and just blatantly say out front, who's our favourite character? <gasps> now, Shelley, you're probably the biggest fangirl at this table. <laughs> I mean, you're the only fangirl at this table, really. Mm-hmm. I'm the biggest fangirl at this table. <laughs> oh, Sid. I can't believe it. <laughs> but Shelley, I'm throwing it to you first. Uh, who brings you to the show? It's got to be Bortus. I am led to understand that you are a failure in the practice of mating. Yeah, see, I knew that. Yeah. <laughs> Every utterance out of his mouth is pure gold. I love him so much. And very fortuitous, we are talking about a very Bortus-centric episode this week. I was so happy. I hope you enjoyed the ceremony, Commander. I did. I did very much. Yeah? Yeah. Now, we should say we're kicking this off with the beginning of Season 2. Now, if you haven't watched the episode yet, this is a spoiler-heavy podcast. So we're going to be talking about Bordas's adventures in space. <laughs> and boy, what adventures. We're going to be talking about those in incredible detail. So if you haven't watched the episode yet, we encourage you, go and check it out at SBS On Demand. Mm-hmm. And you can watch the episode there. Yeah, know, it's now streaming. Anytime, it's now streaming. Sid Sharma, your favourite character in New Orville, who are we talking about? Well, you know, Bordas is one of them because I really like Bordas's episodes. They're always thematically very rich and weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like the incredibly racist robot Isaac. Hello, Doctor. Isaac, do you think I'm a bad parent? Yes. Um, I think he's great. I also like Alara Katan, the incredibly, like, tough first officer on the bridge. Wow, that is the sweetest and most totally wrong thing anyone has ever said to me. But no, I'm going to go with racist robot, Isaac. Yep. Isaac, that's my favourite. He's a good time. Yeah. There's a character that crops up every so often that's kind of won my heart over. And I've got a massive bias I'm going to put out here. I'm a huge fan of comedian Norm MacDonald. Yeah, I love Norm MacDonald. So (laughs) when I discover that he plays the gelatinous, blobbish character Yaffet... Uh, Yaffet is great. Mm -hmm. Crap, sorry, man, you okay? Yeah, it's all good, man. You okay? Yeah, all good. Sorry. All right, no worries. And it's a very funny character, plus it's Norm's voice, like, I'm in heaven. Yeah, and his his weird thing he's got with Dr. Finn and all kinds of strange (laughs) stuff going on there. But yeah, Yaffet's great. Yeah, that blob knows what that blob wants. That blob knows. (laughs) Yeah. Now, we are talking about the first episode of season two. Yes, La, La Jaloja. Jaloja is Jaloja. what it's called, with an apostrophe. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a J apostrophe. Jaloja. Jaloja. Yeah. Jaloja. And Sid, exactly what is Jaloja representative of? Uh, well, look, you've got to watch the episode. It will come out in this podcast, but it is the Mocklin kind of like analogue for a birthday celebration. <laughs> Except? Except they urinate once a year and it's a, an incredibly intimate and um, communal act at the same time. But it's a very celebratory act. So in a way, this is a giant old pee party. <laughs> yeah, in a way, in a way, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, as you may be aware, there's going to be spoilers. So if you haven't watched this week's episode of The Orville, we would recommend maybe wander over to a little website called SBS On Demand, which you can find on the web at sbs.com.au slash on demand. 
but you can also download a series of apps where you can access it directly. Correct. Yeah. Mm, indeed. Shelley, I believe you're the, what, what's your role there? It's marketing. Marketing executive. Yeah. yeah. For SPS On Demand. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So I'm all up in that and yeah. uh, really enjoying myself. <laughs> indeed. Uh, but Shelley, the other thing that you do around these parts is you give us a synopsis every week as to what's going on I on the Orville. So look, some of us weren't as paying as much attention as you should have. What happened on this week's Orville? <laughs> well, as the Orville heads to Mockless for Bortus's special once-a-year ceremony... There, amidst family and friends, a Mucklin urinates. Ed discovers Kelly has been dating again. How long has this been going on? About a month. A month? Gordon asks for John's help. I know you're kind of like the girl guru on the ship, so figured you could help me. And Claire turns to Isaac for parenting advice. It's like he hates me for no reason. Have you examined him for unidentified viruses or neurological disease? No, of course not. Now, this was an episode where, look, the three of us watched it together. Yes. And I think all three of us walked out thinking more or less the same thing, which is this was a weird episode with very little regular structure. Yeah, it didn't have much structure at all, to be honest. It, it felt like there was a lot of story to this episode. Yeah. And it was kind of reintroducing everyone to the whole cast. It was like one of those, oh, welcome back. Mm. Here's everyone's quirks. Yeah, because you know, like, literally yeah. everyone seemed to have a storyline yeah. or a subplot going on. But despite the fact that it sort of seemed a little bit shapeless to a certain degree, it was still was really resonant and affecting yeah. for the most part. I was really affected by it. Yeah. Guys, let's kick things off first with what were your highlights for this episode? So, Shelley, what was the one thing that really stood out at you this week? Mm. Well, I am currently shipping Isaac and Dr. Claire Finn. Yeah, you let out a little squeal when you started seeing them come together at the end of this episode. <laughs> I just love them together. They're also, a great little duo. You also squeal a lot. I do. Sorry about something that. about a psychiatrist and a sociopathic robot, mm. you know, having feelings. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Sid? Well, for me, I I mean, I'd like to say Jaloja. Jaloja! Jaloja! Was my favourite part of this episode. <laughs> and, it, and it's up there, but I've got to say... Dan, who is quickly becoming one of my favourite characters, Dan, his poem. Oh, Dan on the show. Dan on the mm. show. Yeah. His as poem, opposed to Dan in real life. As opposed to Dan in real life, <laughs> who's not yet one of my favourite characters, Dan. Mm. You're getting Wait there. Wait a second. <laughs> Dan's poem was, um, was a marvel, a literary marvel, mm. and I really enjoyed that. My fingers ache to penetrate the hearth. <laughs> Love is the fish hook that hooks the fish. That's what I enjoyed. I enjoyed a bit of guest casting this week. <laughs> Where at the very beginning yes. of the episode, and I got to, I picked it off straight off. Uh, we it was very impressive, actually. Yeah. yeah, we were introduced to the bartender, Olix. Olix, and I was listening to him, and I'm like, wait a second, that sounds like Jason Hang Alexander. On. There you go. And yeah. lo and behold, it was Jason Alexander. Yeah, I'm gonna have to request an extra monthly shipment of this stuff just for you, Cap. Yeah. Yeah, and it was good. So myself and Sid were having a chat about this a few days ago. Because you haven't really watched any Star Trek Next Generation. I, I'm sad to say, then no, I haven't. Yeah. But one of the things in that show is that they had a bar that they used to regularly frequent, and the bartender was Whoopi Goldberg, playing a character called Guinan. Mm. And so I was wondering whether the show would embrace a very similar philosophy, because I thought Seth MacFarlane is going to be a bar, really, playing this yeah. quite heavily. <laughs> and we finally do have uh, Whoopi Goldberg of the show, and it's Seinfeld's Jason Alexander. Yes. Well, I hope we see more of Olix, because being tended bar by, like, a two-horned rhinoceros <laughs> alien, um, I'd feel confident in spilling my burdens to that kind of bartender. <laughs> Absolutely. There was a Seinfeld reference a few episodes ago, wasn't there? 
So yeah, there was that episode with Charlize Theron in her as the time traveling. Uh, what was she doing? Art she dealer? was yes, art dealer. Mm-hmm. Well, she was like moving like vehicles and stuff around. Yeah, well, she was like an she archaeologist, was but like a thieving archaeologist, mm. so like an early twentieth century archaeologist, but from the future. Yeah, like an Indiana Jones without scruples. Exactly. <laughs> mm. But in that episode, they started it by watching the episode of Seinfeld, The Junior Mint. Oh, <gasps> that's right. They were trying to explain to Isaac the concept of humor, right? Was that's that the right. one? Yeah. <laughs> A practical joke, yes, I think. That's was, right, yeah. that's right. Oh, mm. God, it was so good. But yeah, it was great to see a quasi sci fi comedy that mm. was playing around with the junior men's. It was part of the major <laughs> storyline plot point. Classic. Very good. But in this one, we've got a whole bunch of things happening. We learn a few things about our characters. So, Alara, we learn, doesn't have a liver. Well, mm. yeah, she doesn't have a liver. She's, I mean, she was super strong to begin with, and now she doesn't have a liver. She's unstoppable. Mm-hmm. Unstoppable. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, the captain's been spending a fair bit of time in the bar. Yes, um, hmm. damaging his liver, yeah. hoping he didn't have one. Now, at that, that point, I was expecting a bit of a romantic subplot happening between both Alara and the captain, of whom both seems to be functioning alcoholics. Yeah, I, I kind of, I thought that might sort of happen. I'm kind of glad it didn't because there's a very obvious power dynamic between the mm-hmm. captain and, like, the chief of security on a ship. Mm-hmm. And you probably don't want to, you probably don't want to fraternise in that mm, way. No, probably for the best. We also learned that John once dated a two-headed woman and managed to date both of them without the other head knowing. Which I thought was really quite impressive. Very yeah, impressive. Yeah. I was picturing it kind of like a 1980s sitcom where, <laughs> say, Alex P. Keaton ends up taking two women to the same restaurant <laughs> and so he has to run from one side of the restaurant to the other to stop each yes. one from finding out the other one's on a date. Commission that right now. Yeah. yeah. But, like, how do you do that with two heads on the same body? <laughs> I, did, I don't know. I don't know how that would have worked. Um, I hope that they go into it in a future episode because mm-hmm. that's, that's a skit I want to see. Yeah. I'm going to need a flashback. Yeah, I'm going to need that flashback. With the entire episode dedicated only towards that. Yeah, yeah. Mm. John Lamar's smooth, but I don't know if he's that smooth. Mm. <laughs> well, he claims that he was that smooth. Well, he's certainly smoother than uh, Gordon Malloy. Oh, yeah, of whom Gordon. has no game. No. no game at all and too many zippers on his jacket. <laughs> <laughs> now, Lamar was very keen on the number of zippers going on on that jacket. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess it's like the, what is it? The um, the bow boy, the bow, what is, what's it called? Like, peacocking or something that Ooh. some people do where they like wear outrageous things to, mm-hmm. to kind of gain interest. Yep. Uh, but that was just too many zippers. So basically John Lamar gave Gordon a jacket that he said would um, sort of, you know, really, really draw the eye, really draw mm. the eye. So I knew this guy, and this is like a late teens, early 20s thing. So the effectiveness of this is, you know, questionable. But he was a fairly attractive face, and personality was fine. But he had this theory that if he shaved his sideburns, okay, where one was like just noticeably, if you're really looking at his face, quite a bit shorter than the other one, but you're not going to notice while you're out mm. and about just generally. If he walked past, it's like, oh, it's just the guy. Yeah. But if you're like looking at him and engaged in a conversation like you are right now with me, Shelley, yes. and then suddenly you notice that something's off about his face, his theory was that by you continuing to like look into his face, Okay, that he'd be able to catch your attention just a little bit longer than he would have if both of his sideburns were the same (laughs) length. Are you on drugs? Isn't that like the Mona Lisa effect? Like is she smiling? Is she is she smirking? What's she doing? Sort of off that kind of draws you in. I think it's probably because his personality was fine. fine. (laughs) He had to resort to that, but um, he's a very pleasant guy. Mm. Very pleasant. Lovely. Mm. What if we focus a little bit on some of the character plots here? Because this, there's a lot of things happening in this episode to get through and not all of it lends itself well to a chronological discussion. Mm, not really. So maybe let's run through the various relationships. So first of all, let's go for the non-romantic relationship plot of this storyline. 
which is the ship's doctor is having some issues with her son. Yeah, well, uh, so Claire Finn, her son Marcus Finn, is sort of getting with the wrong crowd at school. He's he's hanging out with this kid called James, who's kind of like the bad guy at the back back mm. of the classroom. And they decide to synthesize a bottle of uh, vodka in the ship's like replicator is what you'd call it on Star Trek, but synthesizer, I guess. Mm-hmm. So she's having she's having trouble with Marcus, and she's trying to deal with this angsty teen. And Isaac, for some weird reason, is just hanging around the apartment all the time, <laughs> just kind of like observing like ethnographically like he's some kind of xenoanthropologist mm-hmm. trying to understand human parental behaviors so yeah. I, I thought that was pretty interesting i love that family dynamic now and isaac is pretty much part of the family i thought it was a little bit weird as the storyline goes on so there's the parents of the troublemaker boy and they are insistent that their boy's an angel and what more they also want to get him moved to a different class how many people are on the Orville ship for there to be that many kids <laughs> to have multiple classes taking place? Well, I guess I guess the teacher, Cassius, is there all the time. So it's not like there would be too much of a scheduling problem where he's just, you know. No. Yeah. No. Maybe, no. maybe, you know, they split the class in half. Everybody has to deal with the fact that James is a bit of a troublemaker. Which brings us to another storyline. You mentioned Cassius, or is it Cassius? Well, it is Cassius. Listen, Cassius. Cassius. Damn. Now, this is the storyline involving uh, Captain Kelly... Commander Kelly. Commander Kelly Grayson, Mm -hmm. um, Captain Ed Mercer's ex-wife and now first officer. Also, Mm. strange sort of power dynamic there. So we've seen this episode, uh, Captain Ed, he's still got some, you know, wants and feelings for her. Hasn't been reciprocated because she's got a new man in her life. And so she is, you know, hesitant to really sort of introduce him into like the greater ecosystem of their lives together. But there is this party coming up with Bordas. And so this may be the opportunity for her to come out as being part of this couple with Cassius. Is that how you pronounce it? Well, it might be Cassius, but it's Cassius. Mm. Cassius. Cassius. Yeah. Cassius. Really? Oh, my God. I knew it. Played by a newcomer or at least to the show, Mm. Chris Johnson. Yes. Apparently from The Vampire Diaries, which I'm not familiar with, no, but he's quite a hunk, so I may look it up. Sorry, vampire is a vampire. Vampire. <laughs> the Vampire Diaries. Vampire Diaries. It's Cassius. <laughs> uh, yeah. But anyway, Cassius is going to be around for the next couple of episodes. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's a lovely little addition. Mm. He's great. Yeah, yeah, he seems like he seems like the only like truly everybody else, all the other guys in this episode I felt had some elements of mediocrity to their emotional intelligence mm. so like john lamar being too smooth but mm. also kind of like encouraging gordon to be kind of deceitful when dating yes gordon not really being able to talk to someone that he's into you know but cassius 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 he was intuitive he kind of could see from outside his body the right way to interact it was yeah now i've got a question for the both of you yeah. and i ask you this sid as like myself an emotionally stunted man <laughs> and shelly a woman who actually knows how the world works no. the <laughs> advice that captain ed mercer ends up giving Cash- cassius cassius <laughs> <laughs> the advice that he ends up giving Cassius, Cassius regarding what he should do to win over Kelly like at night time because they've got a little bit of a mini tiff that's taken place and mm. you know this is the way just to smooth things over so he recommends playing a song by Journey Journey, Journey. Yeah. Journey. Yeah. playing the Journey song midway through like the date very specific song now this is one ex-boyfriend giving advice to another guy with a very specific thing to do through the evening mm. which could work well for Ed because maybe that's kind of just it's because not every relationship's the same. Yeah. You don't want to replicate yeah, the same relationship exactly. with other people. Yeah. So my question to you, Sid, is that good advice that he gave? 
Well, I thought that whole interaction was really weird. Yes. Um, just really weird. Like the whole kind of like stalkery thing that Ed did when he flew the space shuttle outside Kelly's window. <laughs> that was um, amazing. To, to find out who the date was. It was a drive-by. Yeah. yeah, the drive-by. That was weird. And then also... I like that Cassius was cool with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, I mean, he was trying to be the better man. Yeah. But, um, mm. Still weird and also incredibly trusting because what if Ed was trying to just sabotage her? What if that's what I would have assumed? What if yeah. Kelly hated Journey? You know, <gasps> yes. I think I think that was like a lapse in judgment from both. Mm. Also, if it's that easy for a shuttle to drive alongside the ship, <laughs> and I appreciate that if there's going to be another ship that's non Orville related that's in the area, they'd probably have to hail and there'd be like a certain distance to keep. Yeah. But don't people want privacy in their windows? Yeah. yeah, you think they'd be tinted or something. They were quite big. Yeah, mm. yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I don't understand windows on spaceships in general. I feel like there'd be a structural kind of problem there. Yeah, You'd yeah. have, like, screens on the inside that can perfectly replicate what's happening outside, I'm sure. Wow. Yeah, yeah I like that idea. Yeah, I just need some more curtains. <laughs> but, Shelley, like, what do you think? It was a good advice? Yeah, no, I think I would be highly sceptical as, as the newcomer to the relationship because, as you say, it's very specific like, how am I going to weave this into my new, you know, relationship or whatever with this girl? And, you know, yeah, is he setting me up for failure? And I don't know. It's just, it seems a bit odd. Now, I'm reminded because I learned everything I know in life from TV. Mm. So there was a TV show called Sports Night that aired in the late 90s, an Aaron Sorkin show. Oh, yeah. And there's this one episode, this guy, Jeremy, is about to go on a first date with this girl. And so he's trying to get advice as to which restaurants to go to. And the advice that he's given by uh, another character on the show named Danny, uh, played by Josh Charles, he leans to him and says, take her to your favourite restaurant. Like, what's your favourite restaurant? Because then it's your date that you're going on. Yeah. It's not just the, it could be any person's date. Mm-hmm. And to me, that advice applies here, which mm. is don't just like go for Ed Mercer's move. Like, you know, no. what's your date? Make Bring what your you own can do. moves. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And it's, it, at that point, the relationship had been going on for a month. Mm. You'd expect he'd kind of have an insight on her favourite music at least. Yeah. You know, those are those are the, the kind of like easy questions you ask early on in a relationship, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You'd like so. if people want to get to know Shelly much better, mm-hmm. like I know for a fact that at the end of the night she likes to wind down with the song Who Let the Dogs Out. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Followed quickly by some Enya. Yeah. <laughs> That's always a set to mood. Yeah. So uh, are they trying to sabotage you listeners? We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Shelly's got specific tastes. <laughs> Who would have thought you were a Yenta? A what? Now, the storyline that I thought was really going to take shape here is Ed at the beginning. Like, first of all, he doesn't end up dating Alara, but instead there's the introduction that there is a Black Matter cartographer that they're picking up from Outpost 58. And I thought, well, this is obviously where the storyline's going, that the story will be a romantic engagement with this young lady. Mm. Uh, But she gets introduced and they seem to have some chemistry. But instead, that storyline ends up being put off somewhat so that uh, Gordon Malloy can, you know, try to work out how to date a woman. And so, like, essentially, she becomes the catalyst for that storyline to take place. And she really sort of dovetails away from Mercer's storyline, but kind of comes in right again at the end. Yeah. Yeah, right at the end. You don't really see Lieutenant Tyler much throughout the episode at all, no. other than as a kind of foil to the whole joke around Gordon Malloy and his inability to talk to a lady. <laughs> um, but, yeah, at the end there, I kind of feel like that is a storyline with Ed Mercer that they're going to try and sort of explore because yeah. the other unresolved thread here is that Kelly still hasn't told him that she doesn't love him. And <gasps> yes. she's been prompted several times. In this episode even, prompted several times. Yep. And yeah. it was like an unresolved thing from the finale of season one. So I reckon that's going to be that's going to be a point of friction yeah. on a ship. You know? Definitely. Mm. But yeah, we learn that Gordon isn't smooth at all, unlike Bordas' stream. 
Unlike <laughs> Bordas's dream. How's that for a professional segue? Hey, oh, well, it was professional. You're <laughs> <laughs> very kind. The Jaloja mm. thing was, um, I thought that was hilarious. And I'm kind of sad that more time wasn't devoted to it I because know. it was pretty funny. Diverting the entire spaceship to Mockless just to partake <laughs> in watching him urinate off a cliff. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously the Planetary Union is made up of very culturally sensitive and open-minded people, mm -hmm. and I like that, but uh, logistically difficult. Yeah. Now, I'm not sure if I missed something with this, but did he have to return to his homeworld for that specifically? Like, was he pinging into a specific place? Yes. So the Mocklin youth have to pick a place that they will return to, kind of like Salmon. Okay. You know, they, they've got to go back to that one place with all their friends and family. Yeah. Swimming upstream. Swimming upstream. Yeah. There yeah. we go. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, weird. It's it's kind of like a birthday. Yeah. Mm. It's like you purge yourself of all the sort of, like, toxicity of the past year mm -hmm. and you start the year anew. Yeah. And it was really quite nice. But what really got me thinking was he can only urinate once a year and he has to go home to a specific place for it. Now, look, I this might be an overshare. But, you know, we're all friends here, right? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. fine. Yeah. Uh, look, I'm fine with number ones, but when it comes to number twos, I don't like to stray too far from home base. <laughs> well, I get that, but uh, I maybe maybe Mocklands only only have to defecate mm. once, a, once a decade. Mm. Who knows? Yeah. And and maybe that's an even more elaborate kind yeah. of... Uh, maybe maybe we save that till season five. <laughs> yeah, maybe. And we know his dyes, his all sorts of things. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Anything and everything. Yeah. So yeah. what's the effect on that stream then with mm. that kind of diet? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we shouldn't get into that. Yeah, look, I've got <laughs> some questions. <laughs> I did like at the beginning, you've got the quote from Lamar where he's asked, uh, you know, do you have any questions? He's got oh, lots of questions. Yeah. yeah. I have a million. Of, none of which really need to be interrogated. No. no. <laughs> Obviously, and there's no question, the sweetest thing in the entire episode was the burgeoning romance between Alara and Dan. Yeah. Dan yeah. with two ends. Yeah, Dan with two ends. Mm -hmm. Hey, hey. Hey there. How's it going? Amazing. Got a massage today. I feel like a noodle. Cool. Who didn't seem the, like the most compatible people? No, but Bordas seemed to think so. But like, uh, maybe Bordas knows best. I think so. Well, Bordas thought that Alara was a failure in the practice of mating <laughs> and so kindly extended to set her up with Dan, one mm -hmm. of his staff, the alien with the, the giant head, mm -hmm. I guess. I, I... It's my big old stupid dumb head, isn't it? No. And, um, you know, Alara was kind of perturbed by that, it seemed. Well, but she was then, instantly dismissive. Yeah, mm -hmm. like, it's not going to work. But then she decided to give it a go. Yeah. Yeah, and good on her for giving it a shot, not being shallow. Yeah. Yeah. I did like, it was a really nice moment where she's like, yeah, let's do drinks. And he responds saying, sweetness. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dan is growing into one of my favourite characters. He's, mm. he's got great comedic timing. He and does. um He's a great poet. He is. Uh, probably worth talking about Dan briefly. It's an actor by the name Mike Henry who's an actor, I say that loosely, he's really a TV writer <laughs> and has spent quite a bit of time working on Family Guy oh, with cool. Seth MacFarlane. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, he's also got a whole bunch of Gilmore Girls episodes under his belt, so he's got like four or five Gilmores. Right. And he played a character on that show named Ed. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Cool fact. And there's a lot of Seth MacFarlane, Gilmore Girls uh, back and forth. Yeah, right. So is that, is, that, there. is that like a meta joke that he's a bad writer in the in the show? Uh, is, is that what they're trying to go for? Look, I think so, because he does do a fair bit of poetry in this. <laughs> and I do like that when someone starts doing poetry on a date, and Shelley, mm -hmm. again, you're more emotionally yep. equipped to deal with this than, you know, dum-dums <laughs> like myself and uh, Sid. However, I would assume that when someone comes out with a bit of poetry, like, date's over. Uh, depends. Yeah? Depends, really. Oh, no. Sid seems into it. No, mm. well, I'm, I'm just saying 
like high school's over. You oh. kind of you, no. you you made those mistakes and you moved on, right? <laughs> I'd like to think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, Dan was hoping for some some feedback on his poetry from Alara. Oh, he sorry, was... I thought you were after talking about me with my oh. feedback because I would like a few people to comment. <laughs> but no, there was feedback given from Alara, and it was good feedback. Mm, very constructive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was great. It was it was far more kind of considered than Gordon's, which was just like an in, immediate emotional reaction to yeah. a very obvious imagery in in Dan's poem. <laughs> But, but um, is, it, is there a future here for Alara and Dan after that feedback? Because uh, Dan seemed to not take it well at all. I don't think so. Because, I mean, Dan really has, I think, maybe the right sort of frame of mood for this, which, as he said, I need absolute honesty or I cannot grow as an artist. <laughs> <laughs> and if Alara can't provide that for him, then maybe mm. it's not meant to be. Yeah, probably not. Well, well, look, I'm glad that they got to investigate, you know, their dynamic to the point where it's his poetry that turns her off. Yep. <laughs> it's the poetry that's the wedge and not the obviously like alien appearance of his weird bulbous wizard head. <laughs> so. Now, not only do we go to the bar in this episode, but we also go to Muska's. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if you guys are aware of the celebrity cameo playing Muska. Muska? Muska was... Uh... So it's an actor by the name of Will Sasso, right. which I suspect Australian audiences might know him, but he used to be a regular cast member on Mad TV, which is an SNL-type sketch comedy show mm. back in the day. I'd probably say that Will Sasso's biggest claim to fame was that he played Curly in the Three Stooges movie <gasps> from a few years ago. I think I know him. Yeah. I've, I've definitely seen that movie. It's that guy. <laughs> awesome. I feel like they've got a revolving door of guest stars and cameos on this show. Yeah. Do you, do you reckon that people just really want to be involved? I or? think so. Yeah. yeah. I think so. And there was something because... Previous to Orville Land, we used to do a little podcast called Batman Land. Mm. And like back in the day, there used to be a whole bunch of celebrities that would make an appearance on the Batman show because it was kind of seen as like the sort of cool, weird thing to do. Yeah. And while I don't think that the Orville necessarily has the pop cultural uh, standing, I guess, that Batman did back in the day. Mm. You know, there were like three networks and, you know, it was just one of the few TV shows on. Yeah. Mm. Like I don't think the Orville probably occupies that, but I think everyone likes the idea of working with Seth MacFarlane yeah. and just being part of something kind of cool for like a couple yeah. of hours shooting one week. Yeah. 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 And the, the production team is so prestigious, I think, in the world of sci-fi. There's a lot of, you know, Star Trek writers on it. You know, you've got John Favreau as well, who directed, I think it was the pilot, season one, and now yeah. he's on as a consultant. And Favreau people will know probably best for directing uh, Swingers. Swingers, yes. Yeah. <laughs> also, Most recently, uh, was it The Jungle Book and yeah. uh, Iron Man movies, and he's just a legend. Yeah. He's done all right for himself. He's done good stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. lots, of, lots of star power kind of orbiting this, Definitely. this, this bright yeah. sun of sci-fi. Well, we were nice. talking about Jason Alexander earlier, and I'm wondering whether he might be a bit of a Star Trek fan because I know that he did do a guest appearance in Star Trek Voyager back in the day. Right. So it may well have been the Star Trek-ish sort of a connection yes. that drove into this. I think he was on Shatner's show recently. Does, does Shatner have a show? I think he does. I think Shatner's had a number of shows recently. <laughs> Anything's bringing a few of those pennies. <laughs> uh, well, I hope to see him guest star on the Orville soon. Yes. Now, something that we do want to do on the show every week is we want to talk about the technology that we're seeing in the Orville. And if you think about, say, Star Trek, for example, with their phases and uh, their ability for you know implementing warp drives and 
uh, when they're beaming down to planets. Like there's interesting technology and a lot of the ideas of technology have been integrated into our real world in the, you know, 20 to 30 to 50 years since Star Trek first hit the air. So we want to explore that a little bit in Yorville. Now, Sid, you're the one that's really going to be driving this segment. What are we talking about this week? Well, I thought that considering that Marcus Finn and the wayward James decide to synthesize a bottle of vodka um, out, of, out of thin air, I thought mm. we'd talk about the synthesizer, mm. which is basically this kind of contraption on the ship where you can, you can make anything. So John Lamar made Gordon Malloy a jacket with a million zippers. Mm-hmm. Um, Marcus and James made a bottle of vodka. Yeah. It was in Star Trek as the replicator where um, the captain would make a martini or a glass of water. You could just make it happen. And I've always been fascinated as to exactly what this stuff's being made out of. So the modern day equivalent of this kind of thing is like a 3D printer. Yeah. Okay. But like 3D printers, there's obviously very specific materials that you use in order to make this. Yeah. But like, what are they using in a synthesizer? Well, uh, ideally, what a synthesizer would use is it would make the use of nanotechnology, and and basically that just means tiny, tiny, tiny little robots that can adjust things on a molecular level. So like, they can they can rearrange atoms essentially. They're called molecular factories. Okay, wow. now, before you get too far ahead of me with the science, I'd like to break this down for a way that dum-dums like myself can understand. <laughs> I would be concerned with the idea of, like, nanobots entering my system because you've seen that movie Fantasia, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, like when there's, like, mm. little mickeys and he could be, like, chipping away <laughs> from the inside. Well, is there a danger of that with, like, little mini robots? There is There is a hypothesis. It's kind of old now. It's kind of came... Well, came... Fantasia was quite old now. Fantasia <laughs> was old, fine. It's a little more current than Fantasia, but it's called the Grey Goo Hypothesis. So Ooh. is this older or younger than Fantasia 2000? <laughs> uh, this is younger than... No, it's older than Fantasia 2000. Okay. But wow. younger than Fantasia. Sure. But the Grey Goo Hypothesis basically posits that nanotechnology could self-replicate to the point where it just creates millions and millions and mil- well, I'm talking billions, trillions, quintillions, Whoa. lots of zeros of nanobots and everything will just turn into a grey mess. Yeah. Run out of fingers, yeah. Yeah, like, surely oh. no, I've got nothing. You can't, you can't <laughs> count? Nah. No point. I can't explain it properly, but, <laughs> but essentially it's the idea that everything will just turn into a grey, gelatinous kind of oozing mess. Ooh. Like Yafit, but grey, you know? Yeah, sure. But on the plus side, if we get it right, maybe we could just like synthesize a lasagna or uh, or gold, or maybe we could turn nickel into platinum, or just make platinum. Who knows? Ooh. Now I do wonder about the sort of broader world where you hear about a trend with millennials where they're becoming less sort of commercialistic, like they're not necessarily looking to own like the latest pair of sneakers. Like branding isn't really as important to them anymore. And rather experiences are the thing that you're looking for. Hmm. Now, anytime there's a new burger place that's open, I usually find there's a pretty serious queue of people wanting to try to sample their burger. That's where the hype is. Because that's where the experience is. So people aren't queuing up for the new pair of sneakers, they're queuing up for the new cheeseburger. Well, if you knew the molecular structure of an in-and-out burger, I'm sure you could synthesize it. Yeah, (gasps) but then people aren't queuing up for that anymore. So I'm wondering, what's with the young kids in whatever century the Orville was supposed to be set in? Well, maybe they live a happy life far from the the chains of consumerism where they can they can use those resources to travel the, the universe and kind of like engage with new and interesting alien species. Maybe that's what they're concerned with, Dan, not burgers and not sneakers. <laughs> what do you think their philosophies are in terms of how well cooked a patty needs to be? Uh, I mean, kind of kind of pink on the inside. Yeah, that's the yeah. ideal. Correct, yeah. yeah. Mm. Okay, any questions? Yeah, like a million, but I'm not going to ask. Just a couple of other points, I guess, about this. I was, I was, reading, about <laughs> I was reading about it earlier. No, no, it's because it's I, I listened to a podcast about this a while back, oh. um, 
And it like turns out the Nestle... And there is no greater source of accurate information than podcasts. (laughs) Thank you, dear listener. That's where you get all your information. But Mm. like Nestle were on this in like the early sort of 2010s. They, They were trying to kind of make a machine that would allow people to synthesize a meal for their exact dietary requirements, which is a cool idea. Great, yeah. And just now there's a um, a New York company who've made like this weird nanotechnology that can like sieve out carbon from air so they can try and like basically seed these things out into the air and pick up all the carbon so we have like zero emissions even if we're using yeah. fossil fuels, which we shouldn't, but, you know, it's, it's pretty spectacular stuff. Yeah, right. Yeah. Anyway, synthesizers, replicators, great. I'm all about it. Look, I'm on board. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, previous to this segment, I was indifferent. Well, I hope you are very much on board now. Okay. Well, look, quite frankly, I've got a bit of hunger for some burgers right now. Mm, nom, nom, nom. All right, you know, what the hell? Let's do drinks. Sweetness. Guys, it has been a pleasure talking all things Orville at Orville Land with you both. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you, Dan. As usual. Sweetness. Sweetness. Sweetness, indeed. <laughs> Lieutenant Shelley Peacock, who can find you on Instagram? Instagram underscore Hellbells with, with a Z, Z and then another underscore. Uh, Sid, you're around and about. Yep, also on Instagram, I use my magician name, which is my last name backwards. <laughs> it's at A-M-R-A-H-S. That's where you'll find me. Indeed, people can find me on pretty much any social media platform you want to you know, take a bit of a go at, mm-hmm. uh, at the Dan Barrett. Anyway, folks, this has been Orville Land. Thank you very much for listening. Of course, if people want to watch The Orville, and we deeply recommend that they do, otherwise this podcast just makes no sense. <laughs> Check it out, Friday nights, SBS Viceland. Maybe you want to watch it at your leisure. You can watch it anytime at SBS On Demand, and that's sbs.com.au slash On Demand. On Demand, yes. Yeah, or through your apps of choice. Mm-hmm. So yeah, watch Orville. Come listen to us at Orville Land. Thank you very much. We'll be back next week. Bye. Bye.